cultures in Hawaii. There's a tourist culture where the people live um, part of the year in million dollar condos down in Waikoloa with fake beaches and fake waterfalls and it's the picture of Hawaii that everybody has. Then you have the local culture is what I grew up in. And then you have the Hawaiian culture which I didn't even know existed for most of my life until I was hanai by a Hawaiian family at the age of 18. And they intensively taught me. And um, you know, I, now I know why. It was just God, because they were uh, the few, I guess you would say, Hawaiians that I know that were full-on Jesus followers and also full-on in their culture. And um, so when one day I was praying, you know, uh, you know, as I was mowing my lawn and saying, Lord, why do you have me in this? You know, I'm, I'm only hanai. And uh, he told me, because you see with two eyes. I see with one eye that's not. I've seen all the things with the other eye that happened when I was growing up. You know? And um, then I see with the Hawaiian eye. But it's not fully both. And I always get, try and get advice. We always need advice from both. But it had me right in the middle. And... Um, you know, and more of a liaison because I have friends and uh, people who, and my Hanai family, so on, that are deep in the Hawaiian culture that would never come to a Western church. But they're Christians. And, you know, like my friend, um, Her Dr. Herbert Hofer, wrote a book. He was a missionary in India. It's called Churchless Christianity because they actually have more Indian Christians not going to church than going to church. And it's really just a cultural thing. It's nothing to do with Christ at all. So you have all of these people over there, and then I'm, you know, have always been connected with the church, and you know, got my credentials and everything through a Western church, and the Lord kind of has me as a bridge between the two, because you don't want one to throw out the other. I always have pastors asking me, what, you know, these people in the Hawaiian community that are Christians, they're doing this strange thing. What is that all about? And trying to hold the two together because of the widely differing worldviews. And so I, you know, I try to explain to people about the, the differing worldviews, and I guess one of the, the examples that are the, is the best for that to me is that um, the first time I went to Thailand, I actually went with this church. I wasn't a part of this church at this time. You know, I went with Pastor Tim, and um, you know, I, was, I was just leading our ministry at that time. Uh, Aloha Keakua Ministry is 26 years old today, and I've been pastoring here for nine, And um, although it's a part of the church now. Um, and so, you know, the, the Lord told us to go. So I, I went, and my daughter went. And, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a researcher. So when I was over there, I was researching. And I found a book that was um, written in 1978. Well, I should say it was translated into English in 1978. I don't know how long it was in Thai before that. But in that book, it was one of the very few high-level Buddhist priests who accepted Christ. You know, in Thailand, after like 450 years of the gospel, 0.4% of Thai people have accepted Jesus. And here is one of the few high Buddhists, because it's a Buddhist culture, Buddhist education system, Buddhist government, and one of these high, few high-level Buddhists had accepted Christ. And he wrote a book about how to share the gospel with my people. And um, 
So I'm reading the book, and, the f- and, and we came with our favorite scripture. What, what's our favorite scripture, you think, here in, in the U.S. that we go out with when we go and, quote, evangelize? John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Oh, isn't that awesome? We love that scripture. Um, but the, what he says in his book is the first thing, and we went with John 3.16 on our shirts, passing out tracts with John 3.16, and I'm reading this book, and the first thing the guy says is, don't use John 3.16. <laughs> and so this is why, he says, okay? Because it says, for God so loved the world, and he says to Thai Buddhists, God is either cruel or stupid, if there is one. And that's because he created a world full of temptations that cause us to fall into sin. And when we fall into sin, then we get bad karma. Okay? And so that when we die, we come back as something worse. Right? And so he created this world full of temptations, either because he was stupid or he wanted us to suffer. Because you come back as something worse and worse and maybe, you know, uh, life after life after life. And so this God is either cruel or stupid. And that word for love they use, um, you know, I I think they should have used the word like compassion or mercy, but that word for love is kind of like our word for love. You know, whether I the, you know, Lala or I love my wife or I love to watch football, it's the same word. And it can mean the lust of the world, which Buddhists shun. Because the lust of the world, that's why you watch a Buddhist monk, he won't laugh. You know, they don't get mad. Or you know, they try to do everything without emotion because that leads to sin. So that's why if you lust after the world, then you'll fall into sin. So they look down on that for one thing. Okay? So this God lusts after the world so much okay, that he sacrifices his only son. There's five basic Buddhist precepts. Number one, don't kill. And here he kills his own son. That's the number one precept, don't do. Next ones are don't lie, don't steal. They're they're very much like the Ten Commandments. And so he says, don't kill. And he kills his own son. Why does he kill his own son? That we may not perish. But the Buddhist word for heaven, nirvana, holds within it the connotation of perishing, like a blowing out a candle. Because you're, you're in this cycle of suffering and sin and death, and you get to set, be set free. That cycle is ended, like a candle blowing out, you're free. So, he kills his own son, that we may not go to heaven, but have eternal life. What is eternal life to a Buddhist? Suffering and cycle and death. Okay, so what you have here, if you were from a Buddhist worldview and mindset, would you say, wow, that's a God I really want to accept? Okay, and you see it's all about love, right? It's all about love. No wonder only 0.4%. He wrote that book and it's translated in English in 1978. Guess what? It was out of print. And there we are passing tracks out with John 3.16. And you see, it's so important for us to understand 
you know, like Oswald Chambers said, that if you um, preach the gospel and use the Bible to a man who does not value that, he won't listen to you. You've got to find what he values and compare it to Christ, and then you have a common platform to bring to him. So I, I usually, when I'm teaching missionaries, I go to Acts 17, and you look what Paul did, and, and that's what he did. And so you have this, you know, this scripture that's so precious to us, but to another worldview, it's, it's, it's absolutely terrible. And they won't understand it. And they won't, you know, uh, we have to change. It's nothing wrong with John 3.16 itself. But how we preach the gospel and what we bring to them, there's awesome ways to preach the gospel to the Thai people. And we've had Steve Chocolante come here, and he's brought thousands to Christ. And, you know, even wrote a book about it. And so we need to, to understand these things. And it's the same for the Hawaiian community. Different worldview. And so we have to change the way that we preach the gospel. Same for the Maori community. And we not, might not realize it, but, you know, um, well, what happened this week is I got a call from the, the head of the AG churches in Hawaii. Well, uh, the, in Big Island and working with the uh, associate director for the island and saying that, hey, um, we got all these pastors wondering what's going on at Mauna Kea. Why? We're shocked that it turned into such a big thing. Thousands of people up there. People from around the world. Some, my, a friend of mine who was up there says they had 100 plus Tongans come. And they have Maori up there, Native Americans up there, and, and there are people around the world up there. Why, and why is it such a big thing? We didn't even realize, and we want to understand. So they said, would you be willing to talk with these pastors? So I said, yeah, because it's so important. I want them to know Christ. But if we're preaching John 3.16, are they going to get it? That this is a God who loves you? No. So... Okay, they said they'll invite pastors to come. We didn't know how many would come. But 17 pastors showed up, which is amazing. That's a big, you know, our, our normal pastor's prayer we have on Tuesday is like two, three, five, maybe at most. But 17 of them came. And this is the first time they want to know about what's happening in the, in the Hawaiian community. And I've been trying to say this is so important for many, for like 20 years plus. And I'm like, wow, this is the first time they want to know. But it's something that if we are going to be effective in Christ here, it's something we need to understand. And the other thing I want you to, to understand is it's, you know, we think it's a small radical group of these um, Hawaiians that are worshiping the old gods and it's just a small little group. But now that's why they're shocked. You drive over there, you'll see there's like a mile of cars and all these things and it's so well organized and so many people and all these supporters coming and bringing they have so much food that um, we do the service out in Kalapana and Sam Kaili Homalu who is uh, the one from the family that helps up there he calls me and he says hey we got so much food up here um, we want to bring it back down to Hilo to feed the hungry they don't need it anymore they got so much support and other friends who have been staying there they're saying man you know you got food all the time people coming around bringing food and so on okay why all the support why all this, you, you look from, from Europe to Africa to around the world, people giving support. What is it all about? And um, not only that is um, Kaleo, who's up there as a police officer, 
he's saying he thinks over 50% of the people, those Hawaiians, are believers and followers of Jesus. Why, are, why, why do they care about a mountain then? And um, I just want to show you this short video that was sent to us. We went to the Maori in New Zealand and stayed in the marais and, and really, you know, accepted and loved them as who they are, which most Christians go there and we don't, you know, we don't, you, you need to totally change and be like us. And they are amazed that Christians will come and love them as who they are. And they sent this video. Um, let's see if it'll play. Okay, these are, now remember, I want to say that these are all Christians. Christians. Okay, so I'm going to share four points to understand the situation up there, what I shared with the pastors um, on Thursday. And, um, you know, I tried different colors and so on, so it'd be nice, but I, you know, the words don't come out clear. <laughs> you guys didn't tell me what, what you think about all of that. But, you know, let me, let me go over a few things before that. Why, are, why do Christians... Um, Native Christians up there uh, thinking about that. It's something I always teach, Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Okay, so how long did people know God? According to Scripture. Always, from the beginning. Okay, how well do they... Can they see him? Clearly, not dimly. And so, so clearly, in fact, every people around the world are without excuse. Okay? And I think one of the biggest, well, I'll show this scripture first. Acts 17, this is what Paul had used. From one man he made all nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he, he marked their appointed times in history and boundaries of their land. God did this so they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. So was he far from the Hawaiian people before the gospel came? No. For in him we live and move, in fact, and have all our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. They knew it. Okay? One big misconception <clears throat> that native people before the gospel came were worshiping the devil. 
Right? Is that scriptural? No. Some people are, just like some people are today. But there are some people who are seeking. God said, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. He doesn't run away from us if he knows people want him. And so the truth is, is many Hawaiians know God. Now what we are to tell them, not that you don't know nothing and your worship, everything about you and your culture is of the devil, and we're going to show you everything and you've got to become like us. It's not that. It's they don't know Jesus Christ came. You see, because it, it continues in Romans 1.23 that we all fell away, even if in Israel. Even though God leaves a remnant, most people have fallen away. And what did Jesus do? He came so that our sins can be forgiven, so that we can return home. Home to our God. Because we went and worshipped other gods, and he made the way to come home. Such a big difference than to the foreign God who will live with his favorite foreign children and rejects us and who we are and we got to be like his favorite children before he'll love us to he's our God and Jesus makes the way home for us. And so you have all those people out there that like Kaleo says, he estimates over 50% are, are Christians. And yet if when another friend of mine says when a Christian went up there and you're hallelujah, you got to accept Jesus and covered by the blood of the lamb and so on, it's like, you gritting your teeth because you know what the Hawaiian people would think when somebody goes up there like that. It's the full-on Western thing. And those people are kind of, they're polite, but kind of rejecting them. So, why is the mountain sacred? Why is the mountain so important for even Christians? Well, if, if people were worshiping God, say in Hawaii before anything else, and they were worshiping God, the, the one true creator God, okay, and you looked around Hawaii, and it says we know God by creation around us, where would you look to, to worship him? If you know creation is a picture of who he is, a love letter of who he is. If you're an ancient Hawaiian, you, where would you go and worship him? Mauna Kea. And it doesn't mean they were worshiping the devil, or all of them were worshiping the devil. Some people are worshiping Papa and Wakea and all like that. And that's what I was doing down in New Zealand, showing them, hey, they're, they're just people in the genealogies. And so you have this, and with the song we just sang said, I look to the mountains where my help comes from. But I know my help comes from God, not the mountain. But it's, it's just that love letter there. In other words, when I go on a mission trip, I bring a picture of my wife. But I know it's not my wife, but I don't want somebody to spit on it and step on it. I would get mad. Because it's, it's a picture of, of, of something precious to me. And this is a picture of something precious to the people's heart about God. Um, I was in J uh, Japan <clears throat> at the oldest temple in Japan with the head priest, Shinto priest of that temple where they worship Ame no Minakanushi, the God in the glorious center of heaven. And we were walking. He was taking us up in the back where few people get to go. And we're on the mountain and there's a, you know, the gnarled tree there. And in the back, this beautiful red sunset. And he turned around and he went, ah, clapped his hands and he bowed. And then he quickly turned to us and said, 
I'm not worshiping the sun. But the sun, it just the beauty and everything represents the creator to him. You see? But we think they're animus. And they get mad when we say, oh, you guys are animus. No. Like a Native American told me, the sun, even the Bible says, the S-U-N, the sun of righteousness will arise with healing in its wings. S-U-N. He says the sun is the face the creator looks through. You see? So it represents that. So that's, it represents the beauty, the majesty, the strength, the power of our God. And the song that our ministry wrote that now is a standard in the Hawaiian community. And one person said, if, if you haven't heard this song, you have never even been in a Hawaiian church. At weddings, funerals, community events, it's called O-O-E-O, U-R-E-O. You are the na native name of God. It's touched the hearts of the people, the non-Christians, so much that they're singing it all the time. The last verse says, Kamauna kie kie, you are the highest mountain. You are the water of life. It, all of these that relate, that Jesus related himself to. And this was sent to me by another Hawaiian Christian. That in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all the nations will stream to it. Many people will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. This is, this is their mountain here. And that's why it's so important. Okay. So why the big uprising? Um, it's just the straw that broke the camel's back. Okay. It actually started in, in 1893 with the illegal takeover of the Hawaiian Kingdom where the Hawaiian Kingdom had treaties with the United States, with Great Britain, with France, with all the European nations because it was a Christian nation. It was the first colored nation accepted into the family of nations, of civilized nations, because they were a Christian nation. And even though they had these treaties, the U.S. came illegally and took over Hawaii. Two American presidents, Cleveland and Clinton, issued apologies for that. And I, I spoke at a conference on Oahu one time, and... Um, I was telling them, do we want to follow God and do what's right by God? Everybody says, yeah. Do we want justice? Yeah. Then we're, we're ignoring the 800-pound gorilla in the middle of the room. I, I, they never asked me to speak there again. But, you know, uh, it's the 800-pound gorilla in the middle of the room. Because it's like what these two presidents said is like, I'm sorry I stole your house, but I'm not giving it back. And I'll let you live in this one room over here. Uh, this room is yours. And then he goes and encroaches on that. Well, I'm going to put my refrigerator and my TV in your room. But you said this room was, was, was my room. Well, I changed my mind. And I'm going to take more and more of it. And you can tell me what you think, but I'm going to do what I want anyway. And this is pretty much what has happened since that time. And until um, KITV Island News in May 28, 2019 reported 
A recent economic study found that 57% of Native Hawaiians do not ha earn enough to survive in Hawaii. You cannot work at KTA and buy a house. And if you have two or three jobs, then your ohana falls apart. And so many of the problems out on Pahoa is because they have no hope. They can never have hope of owning their own house and a family. And most of the rest are barely surviving. Maybe you have three generations living in the same home now. Uh, how many more generations is that going to continue? There's anger, there's frustration, there's no hope. And you have the statistic that of a Hawaiian homelands, only 30% of lands are occupied with 27,453 people on the waiting list. And yet only a third of those lands designated for them are occupied. You know why? No infrastructure. So the, the government is saying you can't occupy it. But did you know that this airport is built on Hawaiian homelands? The airport, big, huge airport in Honolulu is built on Hawaiian homelands that was supposed to be for Hawaiians to live on. And do you know that they hadn't been paying rent? And then finally they made an agreement with the Hawaiians, which is just like, you know, if you, if you try to lease these prime lands, even our Prince Koyo shopping center is on Hawaiian homelands. If you try to lease those lands, you know how much you'd pay? It's just like, this is worth $100 a month for renting the rest of my house, and they say, well, I'll give you a penny, and tough. And they say, well, we don't have money. Government doesn't have money, so we'll give you this. So you can't have the infrastructure to live on the lands that are there. And this is only, I could talk for hours and hours on this, because there have been so many atrocities that have happened. And this is just, the, again, the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. And we think these are radical, angry Hawaiians who have no rights to do that. These are a lot of Christians. And the support is there from Native people around the world because this is what has happened. All the, the broken promises have been on the side of the state of Hawaii and the U.S. government, not on the Hawaiian side. There have been over 200 treaties in the U.S. made with the Native Americans, every single one broken by the U.S. This land will be yours, this will be ours, but when we need more land, we move you out. That's the whole Cherokee Trail of Tears. Where all these Cherokee died in midwinter, especially elderly and children, walking away because they said, this land has been yours and we'll take it away now. We'll give you the worst land available, but if we find gold or oil on that land, we'll take it away too. And that's by the support from people all over. And we need to, to, to do that. Okay, what are some of the specific ones for the telescope? In 1964, the state issued a lease to the University of Hawaii for 13,321 acres of ceded lands. You know what ceded lands are? Kingdom lands that the state of Hawaii confiscated. So it's really Hawaiian kingdom lands because two presidents said we were wrong in doing that. So those are Hawaiian lands, admitted by two presidents. Ceded lands at the summit of Mauna Kea for $1 a year. You know how much they're spending on the telescopes up there? The university was authorized to build an observatory, an observatory, but proceeded to build multiple observatories without prior approval and a violation of the lease. Governor Ariyoshi required the Department of Land and Natural Resources to develop a master plan for the area. He noted, I am concerned that social pressures for more intensive use of the Mauna Kea for scientific, recreational, and other purposes poses a threat to the priceless qualities of the mountain. 
There were only three observatories on Mauna Kea at the time he said that. Today there are 13 telescopes at the summit, and TMT would just be the 14th. And this is the young man who's the leader galvanizing the group out there, Kanuha, who, who used to teach Hawaiian language at Kawaiahao Church, and is a friend of a friend. And he says, so we can show the world exactly what the state of Hawaii thinks about Hawaiians and how they treat them, how they treat our culture, and how they treat our spiritual beliefs and practices, which is basically to treat it like a bulldozer and just ram through all of it. And um, we avoid the 800-pound gorilla in the room because, because it is there like that. And this, this, this young man, Kanuha, he wants to do everything with kapu aloha, it's called, with, with holiness and sacredness. Okay? That's why they say, you know, there's people who are doing drugs and stuff. They say, you know, um, you have to leave. There are some people who say, you want to do it peaceful and nonviolent. We've got to do this so that we can do that. And he says, well, then you're not ready. Go. When you're ready, come back. No drugs, no alcohol, no smoking, and even telling them, refrain from swearing because this is sacred. Aloha. And to do everything with nonviolence and aloha. And he's trying to hold all these different groups there together to, sh to do it with aloha and to live aloha there. But he realized this is just the straw that broke the camel's back because, you know, a, a observatory was supposed to put up there. And then all these are built. And then they say, we'll tear down five if we build this one. But none of them are being teared down yet. Two of them are quote, decommissioned. The other ones are still being used. And after all the lies, do I believe you that you're really going to tear them down? Because they're still being used, and, and the state is saying, we don't have money to tear it down, really. It takes so much work to tear them down. And so it helps us to understand what is going on in the situation. And the last one, it's a clash of worldviews, like I said. John 3.16 and, and not. Um, I had other friends who went from Maui, and they were up on the, the pu'u over there, that little hill. And they were singing praises to God, but doing haka and singing in Hawaiian style. And people over there were saying, amen and hallelujah, praise the Lord. They were getting like that. But it wasn't in the, you know, like I said, if you go over there and you do it in a Western way, um, it won't work. And I'm just letting you know because I've, I've, you know, people don't realize that this is not a small radical group. This is huge. And it's something that the pastors are like, we got to do something because even the people up there are saying, where is the spiritual leadership? Where are the churches in this? If we say we stand for justice, where are the churches in this? And they're here saying, oh man, this has gotten real big. We got to do something. We all have people, we have people from this church who are up there. And we have people up there like there who work on the Mauna. And we have people like Kaleo, who is a police officer up there. And all of these churches have people kind of like that. So what do we do as the spiritual leadership they're looking towards? And so what we decided to do is to fast and pray and ask God what he wants us to do. And, you know, James 1 says that if we will ask and not be double-minded, and, you know, I, I'm excited about this group of pastors because they're saying, no, we want what God wants. We're not double-minded. says he will give us wisdom on what to do. 
So we were going to spend two days of fasting and prayer and getting together again on Tuesday to share what God spoke to everybody and then decide what to do. But to be silent is not the, what Christians really are supposed to be doing because we are the light. But what, how do you shine the light? And is it light to them? Or like Sharon's mentor in Indonesia says, you can't just bring your gospel and plug it in over here. Like you can't bring your electricity and plug it in. You need an adapter because their electricity is different from ours. So how do we, we do that? And so I'm, I'm speaking with, the, with all these people who are up there and all these people on the other side trying to find out where the worldviews are and how we can show love. We're not for the telescope. We're not against the telescope. But you know what? It's not our decision. But we can show them love. And we can um, pray for both sides. Pray for everybody. And say, we ask for aloha to prevail. We ask for pono, what is right, what is righteous to prevail. And so, you know, I thought I should share with this with you because, you know, it's a big thing and that's, that's what all these pastors are here. You, you know, we need to know about it, not avoid it. The last part is if my people who are called by my name, and I'm talking to the Hawaiian Christians here, because I can't go up there and say what I'm going to say to you now. It's if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. You know, when, when Hawaii was a Christian kingdom, 96% of Hawaiians were Christians. And, and Kamehameha III passed the Constitution of 1840 that said no laws shall be passed against the laws of Jehovah or even the spirit of those laws. The, the French came in and took over Honolulu for a while. They had to leave. The British came in and tried to take over Hawaii and they couldn't. If we're following God like we're supposed to, nobody can take this anything from us. Read your Bible. Million man army comes against little Israel. One angel comes, wipes out 180,000 of them. They run. People run in fear away. They don't even know why. If we're following God the way we're supposed to, Nothing, nothing can stop us. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. You know when it got taken away? King Kalakaua turned far away from following God. And he was warned by another Hawaiian prophet that if you don't turn back to God, you'll lose the kingdom. And it was God's grace that it was lost during the time of his sister who was a Christian. Because she said, I am not going to oppose the United States and make unnecessary bloodshed of my people. Like, are, are we, is Hawaii going to defeat the U.S.? I don't think Kalakaua would have said that. It would have been a lot of bloodshed. It's the same thing they're doing up there, trying to follow her, and everything being done with aloha and non-resistance. And, um, but it takes two to tango. And like I say, when I do marriage counseling, I, I, you counsel the wife, you counsel the husband. You guys married to each other? Because this one says, that one's the devil. This one says, that one's the devil. It takes two. So look at our part, those who are called by God's name and are Hawaiian here. Look at, look at that and stand before him because we didn't do what's right. And when we pass on to our next generation and our children, they did it to us. That's why we're in this situation. 
You know what we're telling our kids? Bitterness, anger, vengefulness, and also telling them we are weak people because they were stronger, they were smarter, they were better than us to take all this from us. We are rejected by God. Instead of saying, son, daughter, if we are following God, nobody can take anything from us. You follow God and you can do anything. And then we break this cycle. And that's why there's more Hawaiians, Native Americans, Maori in prison. 38, uh, I think 39% in prison or Hawaiian or Polynesian. And only the, uh, Hawaiian and Polynesian is only 10% of the population. It's just bitterness and anger and, and insecurity, rejection <clears throat> that causes that and we're passing it on. We don't pass it on anymore and our people who are called by my name it's what breaks the yoke of the devil is repentance because it's sin that gives him the right in our lives and in our country. And if the Bible says, if we are faithful to repent, he's faithful to forgive. And if he forgives, the devil got no more right on the land. Before sin, everything was beautiful. You didn't even have um, all these kinds of, of uh, natural disasters or diseases or anything like that because... There was none of that when there was no sin. And so it's repentance is the key on both sides to see this solved. Okay, this is like something that's happening right now and it's actually going to get bigger and bigger and bigger in the future. And there are people, at, you know, like um, my friend Leon Siu is constantly at The Hague, constantly at the UN, going to international court because this isn't a United States issue. That's why there's been so many problems because it's like, okay, you want to go to court? I, I control the court. <laughs> But they want to take it to international court and the United States doesn't want to. You know why? They'll lose hands down. And in fact, when United States told to Russia, you get out of these, these places you've, you've gone in and you're not supposed to. And they said, when you get out of Hawaii. So it's being known and this is going to get bigger and bigger. We need the spiritual people called by his name need to pray. Okay, pray for us pastors so we get to get a Tuesday on what to do. Okay. Um, as we come up and do the last song,